1: Hey, spooksters, and welcome back to another patron select episode here on three spooked girls. My name is Tara. And as always, I'm joined by my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. And if you are new here, this is an episode that we dedicate to our $10 patrons of the Spookster Club. Today is going to be all about a topic selected by our patron, Elizabeth. She has chosen the Sloss Furnace that is located in Birmingham, Alabama.
0: Yes. And And (laughs) that was funny. We said it. (laughs) And it was like the same tone and length and inflection. I was a little creepy. (laughs) I was gonna say when Tara told me about this she told me verbally and she was like the sloth furnace and I was like okay trying not to seem like the uncultural swine I am. I was like sure okay that sounds great and I thought she was saying something like with a very thick accent like (laughs) in German or Slavic or something. And I was like, okay, I just don't know about it, but I'm not going to tell her. (laughs) And then I went to look it up and I was like, oh no, it's a furnace and the company's name is Sloss. And I was like, I felt really stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, little fun fact, Elizabeth actually sent us a very lengthy list of Alabama haunts and stuff because that's where she's from. And I actually chose this one. I got to pick. So I picked it. I picked it for you guys and for Jessica.
0: <laughs> yeah. So she and she said it like I I, I want to give Tara so much props on this because she just was like Sloth's Furnace. And I was like, OK, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Like having no idea what it was and thinking that it was going to be this like truly scary, crazy thing from like the like Nordic region of the world. <laughs> and I was just wrong
1: all around. It's OK. But yeah, so for this. Place. We are going to do history and haunts on it. I am going to kick us off with history and then I will hand it over to Jessica. So we'll just go ahead and get started. So the sloss furnaces was a huge factor, which I had no damn clue until we started researching this in the development of the Industrial Revolution. The steel that they would end up producing would actually be utilized all over the country. So it'd be used for buildings in New York City, for cars in Detroit. It was everywhere. Their steel was everywhere all over the country, which is pretty cool considering Birmingham started out as a small town. It helped turn it into like this metropolis and it had the nickname as the Magic City. Colonel James Sloss would establish the beginnings of this in 1881 by building two blast furnaces that went into production in April of 1882 and May of 1883. These were a game changer because they featured a modern heat air blast system that initially focused on producing pig iron, which is considered crude iron. So very, very basic materials. As the years went on, there would be a development with the want for steel. Unfortunately, he would not be able to get the patent rights for it. So with that, plus the decline in demand for just pig iron, he decided it was time to retire and sell. So he would end up selling the company between 1886 and 1887. James would end up selling to investors from Richmond, Virginia. The company would also shift to being the Sloss Iron and Steel Company, as they had the same thought as the colonel did, and they wanted to produce steel. Of course, they'd have more resources, which I'll get into now. So Joseph Byron, who is also an attorney, would take the lead with things for all the behind the scenes stuff. He came from money and he had connections. He had contacts with bankers and these bankers were active in shipments of commodities to and from Europe. So he knew people in the right places to get what they needed. Brian and his colleagues liked the idea of having the business in the South because they assumed that the labor costs would be low because of African-Americans wanting to escape from exploitation of sharecropping. And basically what I read on that was people would live on the land but share their crops kind of thing, but a lot of people would take advantage of the poor farmers and people residing on these crops and make them do more work. And basically um, it caused a lot of issues there. But they also took advantage of a different system, and this was the convict lease system, which is pretty much what it sounds like. They would hire convicts for little to no pay for hard manual labor. So, you know, that always goes great. One of their resources was the Kohlberg Mine. They used their convict lease system here and even continued on even when other similar companies had stopped. They even had a pretty high death rate in 1890. That was 90 people out of the 1,000 workers had died, but that didn't stop them. So about like 10%. That's
0: a significant number.
1: If you stop and think about it, it really is. So expansion would continue with two additional blast furnaces and more mining camps and company towns, as they called them. They'd be located all in Alabama, in the towns of Blossburg, Brookside, and Cardiff. And these workers would mainly be Welsh immigrants that had came to the states. And then in 1899, the company would become Sloss Sheffield Iron Company. And in 1909, James Pickering Dovell would become the superintendent. And for the next 21 years, they worked towards innovation and modernization within the industry. Sloss Sheffield became the second largest seller of pig iron in the district and among the largest in the world. So pumping out the product everywhere. Sounds like it. Yeah. So jump ahead to almost 50 years later in the 1950s and things would start to catch up with them. Sloss would be acquired by the U.S. Pipe and Foundry Company and then later sold to Jim Walter Corporation in 1969. Now, I'm sure you can imagine all in the 50s and 60s, Birmingham had dealt with some serious air pollution because of the iron industry. It was just not not good at all. Not a good environment, you know, with the buildings and everything. Mm -hmm. And of course, this just gave a lot of issues to the town and everything like that. So not even two years after Jim Walter Corporation had purchased it, they had to shut down. And after this, I don't know if maybe just nobody wanted to buy it or everyone was kind of like, this is a lost cause. Or if the owners were like, you know what, let's just be done with this. I don't know exactly on that part, but it was donated to the Alabama State Fair Authority in hopes of becoming a museum. So that's kind of cool, you know, something good out of it. I know a lot of bad happened here, so I guess maybe trying to turn it around. And then in 1981, it would become a national landmark. Hmm. And uh, this means nothing to me because I don't know what this means. I just, I mean, I saw pictures, but there's any trained people out there. Mm-hmm. In 2009, they moved the SLSE. 4018 steam locomotive over there and this became its new home so they got a cool train over there.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. Yeah. And today they have all kinds of cool stuff you can do on site. They have metal art classes. They hold food festivals there. You can get married there. What? Yeah, you can do all kinds of stuff and they have a uh, a special Halloween event. Because many people think it is haunted and things like that going on, uh, they do have all kinds of YouTube videos and stuff you can check out too. You do, they do have certain areas blocked off. You can't walk on, of course, just because of safety regulations and things like that. But you know, if you're in the area, it might be cool to check out. It looks really, looks really neat from what I saw. But that is a uh, kind of the quick rundown on the history. I know that might seem really, really short, but guys, literally, I told Jessica this too. Every video I tried to watch to get some extra history to beef up my notes, their history portion was like maybe 30 seconds. So luckily I found a couple cool websites that'll be on our sources page that helped me out. If you would like to read up a bit more on it, if you are history buffs, especially if you're from the South, because I know we have Alabama listeners, of course, Elizabeth, but anybody else who would like to check that out, definitely check out our sources page on that. But I'm going to hand it over to you for the ghosty stuff.
0: Yes. So I'm excited to talk about this because this particular person is the nightmares of cartoons from the like the 80s. (laughs) I mean, I'm super excited about that. So in the early 1900s, there was a man by the name of James Slag Wormwood. Not making that shit up. That's his name. Slag. <laughs> right. So, not only is his name Wormwood, which to me, I would have been like, what the fuck? That's a horrible last name. And this is coming from my maiden name. Like, my main last name was tough as hell. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and Wormwood also sounds like a Harry Potter or Tim Burton type of evil character situation, anyway. So, I can't believe somebody really had that name.
0: Right. But then to have the nickname Slag.
1: Yeah, that's even worse.
0: I got very excited when I saw that. Well,
1: (laughs) good old Slag was the
0: foreman of the graveyard shift, which when I was reading it, the website had to inform me what the graveyard shift was. So if you don't know, which I already did, but if you don't know, it is the period of time
1: between sunset and sunrise. I believe many of our listeners are on graveyard shifts when they listen to us. So God bless you. Yes, everyone. because I I like to sleep. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. In fact, I'm pretty sure Tara messaged me last night at a reasonable time, my time, like 8.45, and I didn't reply because I was asleep. <laughs> I would not do well. So he was the foreman of this graveyard shift, but let's not toot his horn because it was the skeleton crew of the company and it only had 150 workers. So he's not all that great, just saying. Just for a frame of reference, during the summer times, even in the graveyard shift, it could get up to temperatures of 120 degrees. I don't like it.
1: I believe it. It's so hot in the south. Ugh.
0: Yeah. So not only is it like 120 degrees hot because there's a furnace going, but you got some humidity. So do the lack of sleep, the heat, the low visibility, because apparently it probably had a lot more moisture in there than outside, too. The workers referred to the situation or the conditions as a living hell. And basically the graveyard shift was reserved for like the poorest or the least equipped of employees. So that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, like Tara mentioned earlier, the workers were mostly immigrants coming over. And a lot of times their home life wasn't as great because as Tara also mentioned, they lived in the company town, which if they were single, they probably had to live in a bunch of people and a bunch of like workers together in one area.
1: Yeah, they had little, I think they said they were essentially cottages. They called them sloss quarters. That's where they would live.
0: Yeah. During this period of time in the in the US, big companies like this would have these little, they basically provided housing and it was like part of your your work benefits essentially. So you might not get paid as much, but you also had a roof over your head. And fun fact, I think Google is looking to do something like this to be able to provide housing for their employees so they don't have to go too far. Hmm. It's good because you really have no excuse to be on time for work because you live there. Yeah. So... Our boy Slag, he basically was one of those guys who really wanted to impress his supervisors by getting a lot of stuff done. And a lot of times that would mean that he would make his workers push harder and do dangerous stuff and take risks to speed up production during his time as foreman or as they deemed his reign as foreman, because I'm getting the impression that Slag was a jerk or an asshole, you know, Mm -hmm. 47 workers lost their lives.
1: So about a third.
0: Yeah. So 47 workers lost their lives and that's 10 more times than any other foreman in the history of the company.
1: Wow.
0: Right? And that's just the recorded deaths. There's also there were too many people to count who lost the ability to work because of accidents, mishaps and a recorded explosion in a small boiling engine house in the, in 1888 that left six workers burned blind. Hmm... That sounds suckage. Mhm. This was back in the days before unions, so there were no breaks, no holidays. If the furnace was going, then they were there whether they were hungry or anything like that, so they just had to work there. It seems like 12-hour shifts because it's for if it's from sunset to sunrise, it's a long time, which totally sucks. So, our boy slag I'm getting the impression that Slag was very like you go work 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 like slave driver. That's kind of the impression I get from him. But in October, sometime in October of 1906, Slag apparently climbed up on the highest of the bl- of the highest blast furnaces, which was known as Big Alice, and somehow mysteriously plummeted into a pool of hot metal ore, and his body immediately melted.
1: Yikes. That's what happens when you're mean to people,
0: right? So there is a theory out there that he didn't slip, that he was pushed or that he was just thrown into a furnace to um, die because he was an asshole. I mean, I I could see how a bunch of people sitting around going, you know what? He's the only one here. Everyone just turns around, looks the other way. Accidents as he had a very high rate. They, why would they? The story that they came up with is that because Slag had never been up on Big Alice before, he was not used to the methane gas the furnace created, which made him dizzy and he lost his balance and therefore plummeted to his death. Okay. Right. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, soon after the quote-unquote disappearance of our boy Slag, Sloss Industries decided you know what? Maybe the graveyard shift just isn't a thing we should have. And they basically they c- discontinued it because of the numerous reports of accidents and strange incidents that were happening that decreased steel production. you know, ghosty like things.
1: Oh yay,
0: right? So the legend of slag grew year over year. Basically, workers would, com- would complain that there was this like unnatural presence and like it kept increasing, like the longer the period of time would go, the more they would. In 1926, a night watchman sustained serious injuries after being pushed from behind and was told angrily in a deep voice to get back to work. They looked around and there was no one else there. He was just like a night guard who was watching. This is one of my favorite ones. In 1947, three supervisors turned up missing, which I always love that phrase, turned up missing, (laughs) because how do you turn up missing? Right. You can't be found. (laughs) (laughs) They were later found unconscious and locked in a small boiler room on the southeastern part of the plant, and none of them could explain what happened. They all agreed that someone who appeared to be, like, their skin was very badly burned, Mm -hmm. rushed up to them and shouted at them to push some steel. And then the next thing they know, people are waking them up and telling them that they had been locked in a boiler room.
1: Crazy, but didn't know by who.
0: Right, but that's, like, my favorite. And the fact that they were found unconscious, it's not like they were found in a boiler room and they were like, uh, the ghost did it. It was (laughs) the fact that they found these three unconscious men in a boiler room. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know what a boiler, like, I'm trying to remember what a boiler room looks like. So I just, for some reason, like, Scooby-Doo popped into my head and, like, three people were, like, unconscious
1: in a broom closet. I don't know. Right. Or that scary closet from Matilda. Yeah. What
0: What is that? <laughs> what is it called?
1: I don't know. I don't remember. The h- hookie? Something like that. I think you're right. I don't know. The ho- the hokey? No, I think, it- I don't know. Okay. This is gonna, this is gonna bug me. <laughs> the chokey. Toki. You were close. I knew it was Okie something.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, what is it? It's got to be something. We found it. Hooray. (laughs) And so then there's like one more big story that comes, which is that in 1971, the night before the plant actually closed, Samuel, and I'm going to say his name wrong. I believe it's Blumenthal. Blumenthal. I'm sorry if I say that wrong. He was a night watchman as well. And he was taking one last look around the property before it closed. And he said he found himself face to face with the most terrifying thing he's ever seen. An evil half man, half demon tried to push him up the stairs, but Samuel refused to go. And the monster, quote unquote, started to beat him with his fists. That sounds scary. Yeah, it does. A doctor was called. His name was Dr. Jack Barlow. Dr. Barlow examined him and found that Samuel was covered in intense burns on his body where he'd been punched.
1: Oh, oh no.
0: Yes. Oh my God. But Samuel unfortunately died before he could return. So it was sad. Mm. So there was a lot of reported suspected paranormal activity around the Sloss Furnace. That was reported to the Birmingham Police Department. And this was a very trying time in that particular era and area. Um, So that must have been fun on top of everything else that was happening in that particular region. To also get calls that there were ghosties messing with people. Yeah. It said that the months that are particular uptick... In Paranormal Activity are the months of September and October, and it happens during the time of the old graveyard shift. So you know, spooky season at nighttime. Mm-hmm. I mean, my skeptical ass is over here going, "Okay, it's it's haunted just September and October, but you know,
1: that's when the veil is thin, apparently."
0: A lot of it is just attributed to people being extra sensitive or that it's some sort of Halloween hoax. But a lot of people believe it is the spirit of the sadistic slag. In 1988, a study was conducted by the Center of Paranormal Events, CEP, in. Uh, or I should say, out of um, St. Petersburg, Florida. They went there in May. They didn't have any extraordinary events, mm-hmm. but many of the team members, including two psychics, claimed that due to the violent disregard for the loss of life, Sloss Furnace would be considered a location of a riff of restless souls, which, if you were slack, you probably were taking advantage of other people's energy and projecting yourself to be a dick. Yeah. In 2000, Sloss was studied by another paranormal team, but this was Fox's scariest places. Mm -hmm. They basically said it was one of the highest places that they got a natural energy. In 2002, a skeptical investigative team for the CBS affiliate WJTV investigated the site and they left frazzled and convinced that Sloss was haunted, capturing amazing footage that can be seen on their site. I didn't go look because uh, I don't know if that thing. That even still exists. WJTV. I'm like, what the fuck is that?
1: You know, like cable access, maybe. Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) So if you want to look, you can you can Google that and look. There's been a couple other things. The Alabama Foundation for Paranormal Research has been there. They were quoted saying there's no doubt that SLOS is a hotspot of paranormal activity. During our investigation, we pulled the data that confirmed through our scientific methods and approach that energies are present and cannot be explained. Sloss is one of the most paranormally active places our team has investigated. Okay. There's been a few other, pl- other teams, but you know, my- one of my favorites is Taps has gone there. Mm-hmm. And they filmed absolutely phenomenal footage proving that there's definitely a spiritual. or spiritual activity at sloss and has since returned to capture even more evidence. That's really cool. Like I, I like that. So if you happen to be in the area of sloss furnace, and I'm guessing this is around Halloween time, you can take a furnace tour and come face to face with slag, or at least that's what they're promising. Visitors on the furnace tour will begin their journey through the replica of the woodworm home. This sounds really cheesy. So they built a a, basically a replica of Slag's house, which, by the way, the picture looks like a Tim Burton. Like, is this just not a Tim Burton thing? Like,
1: I still want to (laughs) go.
0: I know. And then you go exploring through the replica of twisting passageways and secret passages and unlocked doors and disturbing memories that drove Slag to madness.
1: Hey, it still sounds like Halloween fun to me.
0: Right. I'm just reading their website at this point for y'all
1: because
0: it was expertly written to get people to go to it.
1: I think you can pay to go investigate. Like you can pay a fee to go tour. It's just like Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, they have certain parts like roped off or chained off just for your safety. Mm -hmm. Or you can do this extravaganza during the spooky season.
0: Right. If you survive the ghost of the past prepare to explore new locations normally closed to the public during the terrifying boiler room and home to hundreds of paranormal encounters. Okay, guys, literally, I mean, I kind of want to do it because of the way they wrote this. And apparently they hired a a Hollywood special effects team.
1: Why didn't I know about this when I lived closer? This makes me so sad. Right? Man.
0: If you're interested in going, I'm going to look up ticket prices for y'all right now. So let's see. It doesn't really say like the time of year. I'm not getting that too much. Um, it says Fright Furnace starts selling tickets at sundown and closes when the last group leaves. Oh, That sucks for employees. Yeah. We stop selling tickets at 10.30 p.m. on weeknights and midnights on weekends.
1: I'm assuming Halloween time. Mm-hmm. Is that like because during the regular year, I can't. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Who knows?
0: Right. So if you have a group of 13 or more, you can purchase a block of tickets for $18 a piece Sunday through Thursday, or if it's Friday, Saturday or Halloween, it's $21 a person and you have to buy your tickets in advance of 24 hours.
1: Maybe it is year round.
0: It might be. That, this could be fun anytime. I I see that. That's the group rate. Okay. The standard ticket, which comes with the experience of the Sloth's Furnace Tour Roadkill Cafe... Breakout 2, stage of horror death, or stages of death. Horror death? The stages of death. (laughs) Did I say horror death? Oh, my God. They said horror death. I might have. I'm sorry. (laughs) Stages of death and the marathon of horror all comes with the standard ticket. It's Sunday through Thursday. It's $20. If you go Friday, Saturday, or Halloween, it is $25. But there, hold on, there is a VIP ticket. (gasps) I know, I'm a little excited about this. So you get everything that you've experienced with the standard ticket, except you go to the front of the line and there's no waiting.
1: Oh girl, I need that VIP. Right? And that
0: is thirty five dollars any night no matter what. That's not bad. I'm gonna click on the order online because let's see like what like if it'll like let me like the date thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would hate for someone who lived close enough to like drive a few hours to drive out there and then they'd be like, bitch, you lied. It's not open all year long. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be really sad for you guys. I know. Sorry. There are no current no currently upcoming dates.
1: Oh uh,
0: so it might just be at Halloween.
1: It might be a seasonal thing.
0: Well, you know. We'll find out eventually, even if it's not for this episode.
1: All right. So I think that is going to wrap us up here for our patron select episode. Elizabeth, thank you so much for being a $10 patron. We appreciate you and your support. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. And thank you for your fabulous list. We had a lot of fun researching this, and it was interesting to learn about something new. Neither of us had no idea about. We don't come across those too often. If you would like your own dedicated episode or to support the show in any way, you can head to our Patreon page. It is in the show notes or you can go to patreon.com three spooked girls. We have all kinds of different tiers starting as little as one dollar and goes up from there for cool bonus content, swag and all kinds of great stuff. And it just goes back into the show and helps us bring you all kinds of cool stuff.
0: It's true. It does.
1: Yes, yes. All right. Well, we will go ahead and sign off and uh, we will see in the next whatever episode comes after this one. Bye, guys. Bye.